0: Welcome to the Love in Context podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So, buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. We're back. Love and Context Podcast. I'm Spencer. I'm Ben. I'm and Sarah. And Sarah's back with us, just in case you all are wondering. Yeah, Uh,
1: two weeks in a row. We didn't scare her off last night. No,
0: no. We were actually, before we started recording, we were just talking about how we all have like our own like little things, Mm -hmm. like little quirks, right? So it's just, it's just funny because you guys are saying that. And then as you're like saying these little quirks that you have, I'm sitting here and I'm like legitimately like, what Mm -hmm. are mine? Because my brain was just having a legitimate brain fart. Of what are my little
1: quirks, but I don't know. Probably just need to ask your wife. Probably. I'm just gonna actually.
2: say I'm not falling for that
1: trap. So, yeah, I'm not yeah. falling for nope, that trap. Nope, go yeah. talk nope. to your wife. I'm not she... falling for that nope. trap, especially when we're recording. No, <laughs> like, not no. Nope.
0: I was like, no, I wasn't so, asking you to tell me. I was just like, I was like, my brain was just farting as you
1: guys were talking about that. And I was so like, good. okay. So we are still in uh, Deuteronomy. Last week we talked about uh, this idea of worship. What is proper worship? What's improper worship? What does worship actually create in you? Uh, which is generosity. Mm-hmm. To To be a generous type of person, because that's the kind of person God wants to bless, right? Yeah. Um, if God is, uh, Genesis 12, it says, I'm going to bless you so that all nations would be blessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is contingent on you actually doing something mm-hmm. with that blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Often, we like to, as Christians, we like to live in the land of the blessed ones,
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than actually realizing we're a conduit of grace and mercy and goodness yeah. from heaven to earth, yeah. right? So in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses has been going through and he says, remember, remember the 5th of November. No, that's not it. Sorry. I did that the other day. That's, too. Uh, that's a different, that's, that's something else. You
2: know what's so sad is the fact that like kids just don't understand what that even means.
1: I know. I, um, it's so
2: sad. Oh, I know. Look, and now we're old people okay, talking got, about the, the old days.
1: I'm going to tell this story really quick here because this is, this is great. So we were at the art walk and we were walking around and we stopped at the chocolate shop. And of course, James had to have chocolate. Right. And they said, do you have a phone number to put in? And I said, yeah, it's eight, six, seven, five, three, zero, (laughs) nine. And they're like, that's not enough numbers. And I (laughs) I was like, well, it's, it's from a song. And they're like, oh really? What, what song? And I was like, you know what? At this point I feel too old (laughs) to continue this conversation. Uh huh.
0: So Uh I had a kid tell me I was ancient the other day because I was born in the 19s and I was like, Yeah, we're done with this conversation now.
1: Oh, oh man. All right. So we come into Deuteronomy 16. So if you have not read Deuteronomy 16 through 18, which, by the way, Spencer, last week we forgot to say that to people, Mm -hmm. there's this newfangled technology called a pause button. Click. You just boop, pause. You read that, and then you come back, because we're going to assume you've read that when we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. So it's 16 through 18 was what we're going to be covering today. Mm -hmm. And now that you're back... It's a miracle. Pause button. It's coming on the heels of last week, right? About remembering the Levites, not forsaking the Levites, leading into generosity, that every seven years you're going to set your captives free. You're going to let that the debts be freed. And then he says, hey, I want to ground you a little bit more in your history, help you remember things a little bit better, yeah. right? Now, once again, this is to the next generation, because the first generation is dying out in the desert. Mm-hmm. This is the next generation that Moses is speaking to. Remember where you come from. Remember what God did in Egypt, remember what he did in the desert, because you're going to go into this land and take over it. He's commissioning this new generation as well. So the first one he wants, he brings up is he talks about Passover Now, why is Passover important? Mm-hmm. Because they remember that you were a slave in Egypt, mm-hmm. that it was by God's mighty hand that you were brought out
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that his name was given to you there. Mm-hmm. The name of God, Yahweh. Mm-hmm. I always was, I always am, I always will be. Yeah, It's an important thing to remember. Mm-hmm. The next festival he talks about is a festival of weeks. We also call that Shavuot. Mm -hmm. And in the New Testament church, we call that Pentecost Mm -hmm. because they occur at the same time. And it celebrates the giving of the law or in the New Testament, the giving of the spirit. Mm -hmm. It reminds them of who they've committed themselves to. And it reminds them of the ceremony between them and God where he gives them the 10 words and he says, this is who I am. A few episodes ago in Deuteronomy, we talked about the 10 words. And we talked about how there are actually 10 commandments. Uh, there's actually five commandments expressed two different ways. Right. And this interconnectedness of like learning to respect God and respect the people around you, mm-hmm. which will eventually lead to you loving the people around you. Right. This is the celebration this, uh, so they have Passover remembering where you came from uh, festival of weeks, remembering this ceremony with God right? Remembering your identity that is being forged in the nation. And then there's the Festival of Tabernacles, right? So the t- Festival of Tabernacles is where they go out into the desert and they're building these... Sukkots. Sukkots, yep. Mm-hmm. Also known as Sukkots. And uh, they remember how God provided for them in the desert. Isaiah is going to say how he led you like a bride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About how his cloud of protection surrounded yeah. them the entire time. Right. Probably also remembering how their shoes and clothes didn't right. wear out and uh, they're like, so my, man. one of my
2: favorite ones. Like, yeah. Look at your sandals; they never wear out.
1: Could you imagine if you had like? Because you've probably got some favorite shoes, right? Oh, like I've got some that are mine. Oh, I,
2: I've got some that where I'm like, yeah, I yeah, like don't judge, but yes, I yeah. have them.
1: If I could have them forever <laughs> and never have them wear out, right? Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. Like one of the one of the most popular shoes in Alaska is something called an Extra Tough. It's a fancy rubber boot. It's really brown, and it, they are not like adorable. But everybody has them, and so they've kind of become like a fashion statement. Right. Right? Yeah.
0: But you can get the ones that have, like, the designer on yeah. the inside, and then you then you roll the extra tough
1: down, and then it's like a church shoe.
2: Or exactly. now you can get yeah. the colored extra
1: It's tuffs. actually not uncommon in Alaska to see people lead worship in extra tuffs, uh-huh. just oh. so you know, or preach in extra oh, tuffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, there are people who, if they could buy one pair of extra tuffs and they would never wear out, it would be like a dream come true for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I was just thinking about the the clothes thing. Right. So they're remembering three, the three major, these are the three major, major pilgrimage festivals as well. Passover, festival of weeks and uh, festival of tabernacles. Right. So Passover, Pesach, Shavuot and Sukkot. So Moses is making sure that they remember where they come from. Uh, the next section is actually a really interesting section. He's actually talking about authority and like how to make sure there's proper authority in place mm-hmm. for judgment, for regular life, because as opposed to being a wandering bunch of nomads, they're actually going to be sitting in one spot. Mm hmm. And uh, if you think your kids fight in the car when you're driving, wait until you put them in a room together. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, like, it's just it's just happening. Yeah. like, uh, We were talking about with uh, Pastor Nick, and we were talking about how the Israelites were grumbling. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, grumbling is like, and I was like, you ever been driving in the car and you just hear this rumble in your backseat? And you're like, you know, it's coming. You know, it's coming. Yeah, and like that's that's how I often look at these this whole thing about grumbling in the desert is like there's just this low hum, and Moses is like, "Can we get some like quail? Maybe that'll calm them down." <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so uh, so he says a couple of things. He says, "Hey, first thing you need to do is you got to appoint some judges, right? There, you want one from every tribe. It makes sense because you don't want to deal with being like, hey, you know, the Judah guy, he said blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, and they have always had it out for us." <laughs> you yeah. know. You can't have that Baptist judge judging me as a Nazarene. <laughs> not that we would ever run into those problems, right? No, yeah. never, never. He says you actually need to have some, have some in every town. Now, one of the things that I love that he talks about the judges, and this is really important for us to understand as Christians and as we talk about justice in the world, mm-hmm. they are not supposed to pervert justice. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to show partiality because of wealth specifically. Yep. They don't accept bribes and they follow justice and justice alone for this key key phrase, that you may live long and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, what is the implication if they don't do those things? Mm-hmm. Or if they rather they do those things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna possess that land long. Right. Right, Because you're gonna actually start to eat yourself with corruption. Okay. And an interesting thing about corruption, it, it usually starts small, but it rarely stays small.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, I mean, uh, because we were just talking about all these Passover or all of these Jewish festivals, I had the, I would say a blessing being a nanny to an Orthodox Jewish family in college. And so I got to learn about what it meant to be living by the Torah Mm -hmm. and, you know, to, to walk to the shul on Saturday and get ready for service and, and to to realize that we all had to be within a mile radius because you were, you were walking to your shul and and to have the congregation split. And it was very rare for women to ever be in there because Orthodox Jewish women don't. But one of the things I got to do during Yom Kippur is.
1: I believe it's pronounced Yom Kippur.
2: You can say whatever you want to say. I'll say it at my wife because I lived with them for two years. <coughs> no, is...
1: she she's definitely right. By the way, I'm being facetious. <laughs>
2: But the family I lived with, her name was Linda, the mom, and she was getting all the yeast out of the house. Mm. And I was like, Linda, what are you doing? And immediately I was brought to that scripture where right. we talk about you got to get the yeast out because yeah. that little tiny bit. Yep. I'm a, I love to bake bread and take seriously that scripture where it talks about Jesus is the bread of life. And I'm like, bread's good for you. So carbs are carbs and me. We have a yep. great relationship, <laughs> but it grows. Yeah. And that's what that's what God is telling moses to tell the israelites to do you can't have any of that yeah no seed yep not even mm-hmm. a little tiny morsel have you seen yeast
1: yeah it's tiny it's mm-hmm. tiny but it's going to work it through everything yes mm-hmm. yeah like you you have to maintain especially if you're going to be a person who administers justice right mm-hmm. Yep. which i mean plays into the fact that he then says don't worship the gods around you specifically asherah poles right right because mm-hmm. asherah and baal are definitely the ones they're going to deal with the most there's going to be some dagon there's going to be some Alec, But mostly they're going to be dealing with Baal and Asherah. You know, trust God with your fertility. Trust Mm -hmm. God with your harvest. Right. There's going to be no sacred stones. And if you do see somebody doing evil, right? Now, if you're not the judge, but if you see somebody doing evil, leading people astray, serving other gods, I love that he says, hey, you got to investigate it actually thoroughly. These are not baseless accusations that are being made, Mm. Mm -hmm. right? And then if it is actually proved, you're going to take them outside of your community, right? It's a testimony of two and three witnesses and no one by the word of one Mm -hmm. alone, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The witness, by the way, must be the the first involved in the carrying out of the sentence. So back in the book of Numbers, we had this conversation about the test for the unfaithful wife, right? One of the things that you have to do is like you have to come and bring them before the priest. Now, if you are a wife and you know that you haven't been faithful... You're like, sure, let's go eat the dirt, Mm -hmm. right? Like you know before you even get there that nothing's going to happen because you didn't just like you didn't step out. Uh, So then you have to bring it to the priest, and you actually have to go and do this. It gives them like this recourse. In the same way, right here, what I'm seeing in this in this conversation is like you can't just make a baseless accusation. If you're actually saying, hey, this person stepped out, or this person is like leading people astray, you actually have to put your faithfulness to God on display because if you're lying and you take up arms against them and you pick up a stone to stone them you've actually just committed murder and God's going to know that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're going to be the one who throws the first stone
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you actually have to be involved in the process which makes it so much more poignant yeah. in the book of John when there's this woman caught in adultery which by the way the man's not there because apparently they caught them in the act but he wasn't there I, I right. listen I've been married long enough to know if you're caught in the act two people are there right at least at least two people yeah and so they brought out and he says whoever is without sin you go ahead and cast the first stone mm-hmm. now they know they can't throw the stone because they're actually gonna be testifying against themselves because they're trying to pin the sin on her and they were actually witnesses to the whole thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're trying to hold one person accountable and leave the wow, other one off yeah. scot-free Right mm-hmm. now there's there's a ton of different places you can go with that passage, but they just drop their stones with the oldest being the wisest dropping it first and being like, yeah, we don't have a case. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got to drop it. Right. Yeah. hmm. But same thing here. You can't pervert justice, no. which is exactly what's happening in that section of John. They're mm-hmm. trying to pervert justice to catch Jesus in a gotcha moment. Yeah. And I just it's it's so crazy to me that he just uses Torah against him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like if you're actually going to be the one who's the witness, you got to throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I think that it's it's really important with justice like there there's a there's an accountability that if you're going to be the one accusing, you actually have to come forward and actually mm-hmm. do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. All right Now, I want to caveat this and talk about there are crimes in America where there are people who are the weaker party that are abused and they're like, well, why don't they just step forward? It's really hard mm-hmm. and you need to support people who are going to step forward and talk and you need to believe them, and you need to do whatever you can. To reach out to them in their in their circumstance, And yes. I'm not going to get super specific because I don't I don't think that's necessarily appropriate for the conversation. But it that's is like a whole another podcast. Sp- that's a whole nother podcast. So whole nother podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But it is also our responsibility to make sure that those who are being marginalized are not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to make sure that caveat is in there for anybody who's listening who may have dealt with that situation. Mm-hmm. We are not saying that every single person is, like they had the responsibility to speak up and because they didn't. They, it was nothing yeah. it is still something
0: and, and i think we also just need to add one more just a little caveat as followers of jesus we are called to stand up for those less yeah, fortunate right, right? we right. are called to do that now we want in doing that part of that is empowering those people to be able to speak up for themselves correct because a lot of times what i've seen and at least in my life is i've seen people stand up and say well this is going on this is going on you need to step in and do something mm-hmm. when in reality when that's brought to my attention i'm like Okay, right now it's just one person said something against somebody else saying something else. Right. Right. Like, if we are going to stand up for people, we have to come alongside them and empower them to actually be able to speak for themselves. Right. Even though that's going to be
1: very difficult and probably
0: very painful.
1: Right. Hmm. I do appreciate that it's like you have to be, you have to thoroughly investigate. Now, I, mm-hmm. I there's also a caveat here that Moses gives them. He says, hey, by the way, if it's too difficult for you to figure out, bring it to the priest or an appointed judge above them to actually figure it out. It's interesting that the American legal system actually has like the court, Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court, Yeah. right? It's not that dissimilar from what Moses is talking about. Mm-hmm. He's like, you, the Supreme Court doesn't hear every case. Right. No. But they right. do hear cases where they can't figure out what to do in their you know, lower courts. hmm and then it says you have to do whatever they tell you to do. Which at that point you're just like, it also let's let's make sure that it's a good accusation because you're also bringing it to the priest, who is over maybe a couple of tribes over an entire region. Like let's make sure we're actually bringing some things that actually matter here, mm-hmm. right? Now my favorite section of what comes up is next. It talks about kings. Very quickly in Israel, they're going to say, we want a king just mm-hmm. like everyone, everyone else. else. Yep. Mm-hmm. right and this whole thing that's gonna come up a lot of times I want this like everyone else like I everyone want this else. like everyone,
2: everyone else. else. like all the other nations around us look at them over there
1: mm-hmm what's the problem with that you're not supposed to be like everyone right. else Torah has been saying mm-hmm. this over and over yeah. again you set are apart. supposed to be a holy nation a yeah. kingdom of priests you're set yes. apart you're different than everybody else because you're putting a story on display mm-hmm. right But Moses does give us some guidelines. He says, hey, you're probably going to end up with the king anyways because, well, he recognizes the stiff neck, stubborn nature of Israel. Mm -hmm. And he says, but if you do, you're going to appoint who God chooses, not who you want. And he has to be from Israel, not from outside. Okay, those are good categories, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is what I love love to point out. Okay, so the king should not be from outside Israel or get a lot of horses or send people down to Egypt to get those horses or take many wives or accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. But he should write himself a copy of the law, read it every day, study and revere God and not consider himself better than his fellow, fellow Israelites. Now some of you who are listening as I read that list you're like, "Man, that's that sounds really familiar." Well, let's let's talk about 2nd Chronicles 114. Spencer, can you pull up 2nd Chronicles 114 through 17 and read that mm-hmm. for us?
0: So, 2nd Chronicles 114 through 17. Solomon built a huge force of chariots and horses. He had about 1,400 chariots and about 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. The valuable cedar timber was common in the sycamore figs that grew in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt hmm. and from Sicilia. The king's traders acquired them from Sicilia. At that time, chariots from Egypt would be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and the horses for 150 pieces of silver. They were then exported exported to the king of the Hittites and the kings of Aram.
1: So where do you get those horses from? Egypt. Man, I wonder if the writers of Chronicles have read Torah. Maybe when they're writing that book, when they're when they're pointing out these things, you
0: and your sarcasm. (laughs) I know,
1: right? (laughs) Oh man, let's be honest. If we're thirty nine episodes in and people still haven't gotten that I'm sarcastic, it's true. true. They they we I don't know what to do for them. It's true, Uh, Sarah. I think I asked. uh, Can you look up Second Chronicles nine thirteen?
2: Yeah, the scripture says that each year Solomon received about twenty five tons of gold.
1: Hmm. Twenty five tons. Of gold, mm-hmm. it's a lot of gold. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not only that, one of the things we know about Solomon is he has a massive number of wives, right? And horses, yep. and so if you know Torah, which the authors of Chronicles would, this mm-hmm. is uh, Chronicles. By the way, I don't know if you guys are familiar. It's actually speculated to be one of the last books written. There's a reason why in the Hebrew Bible it's actually the last book of their Bible, mm-hmm. right? It's looking back over their entire history. When they look at Solomon, they're actually talking about, hey. Solomon was not doing what kings were supposed to do. Yeah. Like he was doing a lot of things that kings were supposed to do. Now, that does not mean that everything Solomon did was bad, mm-hmm. because they also talk about Solomon asking for wisdom, right? And Solomon opening the temple, right. and how they fell on joyful faces, and that they said, "The Lord, He is good. The Lord endures forever." Which is actually a position that we as Americans actually find ourselves in frequently, where there's a lot of things that we do really well, but there are also pieces that we have betrayed our very calling. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. It's really tempting to try to demonize a person over one thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A woman is a pastor. Right. Somebody is a charismatic. Mm -hmm. Somebody speaks in tongues or does not Mm -hmm. speak in tongues. I've seen it from both the Pentecostal and the non-Pentecostal perspective. We, we try to demonize people because of a theological perspective that they have. Mm -hmm. The reality is nobody, everything that they do is right, Mm right. Nor is everything they do wrong. Mm -hmm. we are all justified by the grace of Jesus Christ and trusting in his faithfulness. We couldn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And once we've done that, the job for us is to figure out how to get along
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and and work together, right? Follow after him. So
0: this is going to seem really silly, but it ties in a little bit. No, I like it. Do it. All right. So I actually have a litmus test for churches when I go visit them. Yeah. And what that simply is, is I just wear a hat and see how they respond. Like, because I've got legitimately, I've gone into churches where you walk in with a hat on and they're like, Mm, who's going to go tell him to take that off because yeah. he's in the house of God type thing. And I've gone to churches who welcome you with open arms. Yeah. Right. The reason I do this is because when you go into a church, I'm going in with the assumption that they don't know me. They don't know if I know Jesus. They don't yeah. know who I am. Right? Yeah. So are they going to be welcoming? Are they right. going to are they going to say, hey, here's an outsider that we want to welcome in? Or are they immediately going to be like, hey, we want you to look, like, look and act like the rest of us because this is our standard. Mm-hmm. Which, in in most cases, when they do the the latter of the two, it shows that their standard is not necessarily love. Right.
1: Yeah. Standard being love is a really big deal. I want to point out, like, if you don't think that people should wear hats indoors, you are totally justified in having that feeling. You're just not justified in judging other people by it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, so if you don't believe that you should wear hats indoors, don't wear hats indoors. Teach your kids not to wear hats indoors. Mm -hmm. I'm 100% for that. Right. Mm -hmm. I like you should instill your values into your kids. Yeah. The problem is, you shouldn't instill your values into other people. You need to instill God's principles into other people. Mm-hmm. One of the places that we tend to get ourselves in trouble is we tend to take our convictions and we turn them into commandments, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a really dangerous place to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think yeah. that you should live by your convictions. If you don't believe that eating meat is an appropriate thing to do, you should live by that conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is not a commandment, though. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Or like pork.
1: Mm, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think that's a non-controversial things that we've got a, a couple in our church that they keep kosher mm-hmm. because they, they're they not Jewish, but they believe that the Torah had some sure. understanding. And so they refuse to eat pork. And so she'll say, hey, you know, what are you serving at tonight's dinner? Right. And she's not asking me, going, oh, I can't believe that you wouldn't take into consideration me and my spouse's dietary right. belief. Mm-hmm. But she's just saying, okay, I just need to know. Uh-huh. I'm still gonna come yeah I'm just gonna make sure I'm gonna eat beforehand I'm not yeah. gonna let that divide yeah. what's supposed to be taking place at this I'm, event. Le- I'm
1: not gonna let this cause a break of fellowship between right. us mm-hmm. I'm exactly. not gonna let my personal conviction yeah cause a break mm-hmm. of fellowship between us yep mm-hmm. boy if that there's not a uh, politically charged message in there hmm I mean how many right. times in our churches are we dividing ourselves over silly politics when those are convictions and you need actually figure out ways to live in unity despite your mm. convictions. Yeah. Well, even
0: within even within marriage, there's things that maybe there's a conviction one spouse has that the right. other doesn't. When my wife and I got married, she was a vegetarian,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I and if you don't need to know me long to know that like hamburgers, they, wish- you give me you yeah. give me a pack of hot dogs and a campfire, that pack of hot dogs will disappear so yeah, fast in our marriage we've had to cook differently mm-hmm. right because because i still i still eat meat she she eats some now but she used to not and when she didn't we just cooked meals differently mm-hmm. right we we would look at meals be like okay we're going to cook this for dinner and we're going to cook meat on the side and the meat could be yeah. added into it for myself or anybody else who was over who wants it and then for my wife she's like then she has the vegetarian option Right. right. It's, it's, we take these things we often can cause division with them when right. really it's like, when it's really like, we don't need to divide over this. Right. There are simple solutions that can often resolve these issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's perfectly okay for people to have different convictions. Mm-hmm. Like we, even in the last episode we were talking about giving, like Sarah and I have different perspectives on mm-hmm. giving. Like we're going to live in grace, but we both agree that as Christians we're supposed to be generous. hmm That's right. who we're supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Because we're going all the way back to, the very most basic, yeah, the mm-hmm. two things. yeah, We're loving God. yep. So we're, we're saying, mm-hmm. okay, God, you're going to convict us of what to yeah. do with mm-hmm. this exchange of trusting you mm-hmm. and, and wrestling with giving you 10%, 13%, 5%, calling it a tithe, calling it an offering. Yeah. We don't need to get stuck in that. But what we're wanting to ask one another is, Ben, are you loving God with yeah. your possessions? Right. Mm-hmm. And Ben, are you loving others with yeah. what God has entrusted to you? Exactly. If your answer is yes and yes, I'm done.
1: Yep, exactly. All right. Then we're we're like sweet. Everything else is noise.
0: Yeah, exactly. And right. then, and when it comes to Solomon's life here, there was there was uh, dictates here saying that you should not get from
1: these places, and specifically, he's the king. So yeah. he has very specific instructions. And when mm-hmm. you have higher authority, yeah. you have yeah. a higher uh, responsibility.
2: More yeah. to whom much is given.
0: And in Solomon's Ooh, life, if you, if you look at his life, it wasn't like he woke up one night and he's like, I'm going to order 12,000 horses right. from... right." From right. Egypt. Right? It was a yeah, gradual you can get on Amazon right. <laughs> uh, no,
2: it wasn't a two AM bad decision. <laughs> not a sponsor.
0: Right? It wasn't yeah, it wasn't a two AM bad decision, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was it was a gradual thing in Solomon's life. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't an overnight like, hey, I'm gonna go have Multiple hundreds of wives and concubines, and order twelve thousand horses from a country I'm not supposed to order them right. from, and all this stuff. Right? right? That was it. Was a gradual build up. That,
1: but well, and there's and there's so many things he could have used to justify. Mm-hmm. He could have been like, oh, I need to marry this person for this political alliance because it's going to help the nation. Like, because you justify mm-hmm. a lot of the things that you do, where you're like doing these types of yeah. things, right? Like you justify stepping out from what God calls you to be. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: let's just take it even a step farther because it's in numbers where we're told that. The things that we don't deal with, the generations that come from us are going to deal with them later on mm-hmm. yeah. for up to three generations. So if if we knew that David had a hard time complying with these commands uh-huh. and, and directions for David to consecrate himself and to strip off all those things that were going to cause him not to fully trust God, we're seeing that the things that David wasn't willing to trust, he, he let things just sit and grow. Yeah, he let the yeast get into his home, mm-hmm. and that got to Solomon.
0: Well, and on a, on a personal note, like I think we all we all have kids, right? Absolutely. We can all think of things in our life that we're saying yeah. that stops with me,
1: yeah, and yeah. it's not being given to my kids. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the responsibility of parenthood mm-hmm. is is to recognize to do the hard work of recognizing generational things in your family mm-hmm. and Absolutely. say, hey, it stops here, it stops yeah, here. because <clears throat> I would hope. That I like my parents raised me well. Mm -hmm. All three of the kids turned out,
0: eh.
1: one of them turned out (laughs) really well, and the other two, yeah, they don't listen. So, but then the I got it right towards the end. But then here's the thing it's like because they were good parents, it enables me to be a better parent. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is because of them I can be a good parent. Yeah. And I would hope that my kids, when they grow up and they become parents, they are better parents than I am. Mm-hmm. Yep. and we keep pushing that down yep. so that we get better and better glory to glory as we would say Amen. Mm-hmm. right yep. so that they're not dealing with generational things that I dealt with or things that came up in my life or hurt that came up in my life or bitterness that came up in my life i don't want to pass that on mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: i want to make sure that stops with me mm-hmm. now to your point you talked about the third generation i want to tell this quick story before we get into chapter uh, 18 about a guy by the name of Josiah right, right. in the bible right mm-hmm. he Reads the book of the law, and he's like, oh, man, we haven't been doing any of this. Right. Now, right. this is after God has said, it's already, you've reached the breaking point, and that it's going it's going to end here. And God is about to bring judgment, and Josiah reads the law, and he goes, oh, we haven't been doing any of this. So he cleans house. house. He cleans like, he it. goes through, and he cleans house. Now, the interesting thing is God says, I've already spoken, so it's going to come. But because of your faithfulness, Josiah, mm-hmm. one person for an entire nation, because of your faithfulness... It's not coming in your time Mm -hmm. because of one person.
2: Yeah.
1: It was delayed 40 plus years because of one person. One
2: person. person. So what
1: happens when the people of God turn and serve, repent, and live for righteousness Mm -hmm. as a nation? As As a a nation. nation. Yeah. What happens when we do that? I'll tell you what happens. It's called revival, and it shook the very foundations of the earth. Come on. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Like this is why people pray for revival. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to have less of yourself in in order for revival to happen. Mm -hmm. Because we're pursuing something greater than ourselves. Mm. Right? So true. So one of the things we've talked about frequently about the priests is the priests don't have an allotment. Don't neglect the priests. I want to point out that you actually don't need to feel too bad for the priests though because they don't have an inheritance in the land because God is their inheritance. Sounds pretty good. That sounds like a pretty good like yeah? trade off mm-hmm. to me, right? Yeah, you're like, okay, well, I don't get land, but I get God, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the guy who spoke it into existence. I get him. <laughs> like that sounds that sounds pretty good to me. But you do need to keep make make sure they get their fair share so they don't go hungry. So if you see Sarah Harney on the road, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> she needs a hot dog or a hamburger or something
2: because uh, like, me and my eighty eight children <laughs> need
1: food. Oh, <laughs> uh, I always joke I, five kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ranging from how old to how old?
2: My oldest is going to be 16 in March. Oh my goodness! And my youngest just turned seven. Your oldest
1: is going to be driving?
2: Yeah, don't. It is, (laughs) it is a lot for me right now. Okay. To manage.
1: Okay. (laughs) By the way, uh, this whole section about you need to make sure that they're taken care of because they don't get hungry. It's actually interesting if you look at the beginning of Samuel and talked about Eli and his sons and how they were actually abusing this. They were abusing Mm -hmm. it, right? Like they, the yep. priests actually abused this thing that was actually supposed to feed them. Right. And so they started to- To the, use, most,
2: marginalized to the most marginalized population. To the most marginalized Let's not even, yeah. let's, let's, leave, yeah. let's, let's get to the, what, what yeah. Phineas was doing with what, what God had entrusted yeah. him to do. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was with the least of, yeah. the, the least of the least. Yeah. Let's I, screw over the widows and the orphans. Right. Exactly. Let's go ahead. They, they're flush.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons we, we wanted to start in Torah with love and context- is everything that comes after this is built on it? Mm-hmm. Like when you get to Samuel and you see what Phineas is doing, you're like, "Well, hold on a second. What have you not read Torah? Yeah, like you're a priest. Are you not familiar with Leviticus? What your job is, right? I it, mean, it's just it's one of those things. It's like, hey, I had this conversation with Spencer, uh, I think a few few episodes ago, when we're talking to people who say they're like, "Oh, I read the Bible all the time," and then you talk to them and you're like, "I'm do not you? sure you do." Because there's like, they're some pretty important stories that you seem to not know about.
2: Or how many times have we been in a conversation where someone takes a verse completely out of context and we're like, oh, yeah. did we read what was mentioned before that well, or just if... right after that before we're going to use that? Okay.
1: I don't know if you know this, but Paul actually said, I can do all things through the verse taken out <laughs> of context. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's so good. So good. <laughs> well,
0: but I mean, there's examples of, so an example of this Jeremiah uh twenty nine eleven, right? Oh my goodness. Right? Where where everyone's like, oh yeah, it's great. And then yeah. they take it as like blessing. I was like, read the verses before. Yeah. Like yeah. God is saying, this is going to be miserable for yeah, you, right. but you're going to find me in the misery.
1: Yeah. yeah it's like, oh, he, this, the, he goes and he's like, uh, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. And it's yeah. like, because you're going into captivity. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. you're, you're going to feel pretty miserable. You're going to live in right. homes this you is the build. hope right. in the midst yeah. of captivity. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right? Which God always gives people hope, even in their captivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know what he also does, though, that even in his discipline or judgment, you know, as mm-hmm. as these are coming. And, and, and these are commands. These are actually calls. When we read these passages in the Bible, each chapter actually says a call. Like Moses is giving a call. He's standing up mm-hmm. in, in in front of them, and he's basically telling them, God's telling us the right way to do it. Yeah. And it's going back to that relationship of you get.
1: Well, and and to, to our this. point, when we talk about Leviticus, when we talked about the law. A lot of times when we interpret law, we're like, hey, this is a thing that if you violate, you go to jail. Right. The purpose of the law isn't for you to know what you're doing is right, right. or wrong. It's actually it's meant to create you into a more ethical, yeah. uh, righteous, driven person. Yep. That if you actually follow the law of Torah, your nation would be full of justice. Right. And equality. And mercy. And mercy and grace. And that you would actually love people well.
2: There would be no one hungry because every three years you would be making sure that allotment went to the widows and the orphans.
1: And here's the thing that happens in the New Testament. You know what ends up happening in the New Testament when they start selling their things and feeding people and taking care of people whenever they have need? Revival. Revival happened. Mm -hmm. Revival. People saw what was happening. They're like, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the people who legitimately care about each other. Yeah. yeah. Francis Chan, who we talked about, uh, mm-hmm. we've talked about a couple of times and I, I do love me some Francis Chan. He made a statement. He says, have you ever gone into a church and you were overwhelmed by the presence of love? He's like, what would be, what it would it be like if you walked into a church and you could actually, you're like, oh, I know those are Christians because of how they love.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll
1: tell you what it happened. Shake the very foundation of the earth. It's yeah. called revival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's driven by love God and love other people. Yep. And out of those things, you start seeing miraculous signs and wonders break out because you love people and God pours into you mm-hmm. and then it flows out of you.
0: So as you, as we continue through 18, yeah. you get where you get to where he says, Hey, don't do these
1: things. Yeah. <laughs> don't do these other things. Like right?
0: don't do these other things. Like offer children in the fire. Like in, and you read, if you read this from a Westernized context, you're like, you're like, Oh, you're like, okay, easy, done. No yeah. problem. Right. Go do some painful homework and do some research of the worship of Malek and a yeah. few other things like that. Right. And you'll see what we're talking about. Exactly. Don't
1: practice witchcraft, yep, omens mm-hmm. or deviation. Cast spells. I believe that's division. D- no, I'm not sure. playing with you. <laughs> Don't practice division. Those mathematical arts. Oh, That's true. Don't practice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> mediums or spiritualists or consult with the dead. Yeah. And why are all these things being mentioned? Because mm-hmm. people really want to point out these, and they're like, they're like, oh, we gotta. But this is what the worship of the other nations looked like. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we need to look for these. No, stop looking like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Is what Moses is saying. Yeah, look like who God called you to look like. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I find so your kids just started sports, right? Some of your kids have started sports. Yeah. Okay. I always think it's really interesting. As like, can you imagine if when we taught kids to play basketball, we we only stressed what out of bounds was? and not how to properly stay in bounds, instead of teaching how to dribble and how to move and how to shoot and all these things, we only talked about out of bounds. Yeah. Like, they would never learn anything. In fact, what we would tell them, we said, these are the things that you need to do. And then if they step out, we're like, hey, that's something you need to avoid. And this is what you should do in order to avoid this. Right. We have a tendency in the church, we say, oh, you need to avoid this behavior, rather than talking to them about what they're actually supposed to be doing instead. If you actually are worshiping God properly, you're not going to find yourself worshiping God like right. the other nations. Mm-hmm. So maybe instead of talking about the ways you shouldn't worship, you should actually emphasize the ways to worship and trust the spirit of God to actually do his work. Mm-hmm.
2: Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: Amen. Mm-hmm. To your point, Spencer, like as you were just looking further, it so says talk about the prophet that God's going to send, right? Mm-hmm. Because if these things happen, if you keep going astray, God's going to raise right. up somebody who's going to come and talk about it. Yeah. Like God's forewarning or Moses is forewarning, that God's going to send you prophets when you get off track. Mm-hmm.
2: which can we just pause for a second because so often people can look at the old Testament and I have fallen trapped to this, that when I was in the crux of people wanting to remove me out of ministry for whatever reason it was, I was like, I'm waiting for a God of judges, you know, the God that comes and just smites them. And it's just like decimate them, kill mm-hmm. them, get rid of it. We're seeing God come and give some very clear guidelines. And we know that, He disciplines those whom he loves. Mm -hmm. So we're supposed to be going, okay, these are going to be kind of painful. They're not going to be easy because we're looking over here and we're like, we kind of want that over there. That looks Mm -hmm. way better than what we have here. But God is saying, no, listen, I need you to do this. You've got to look different. It's, it's got to, it's got to, there's got to be something different where people are going, what's happening over there?
1: Right. When I think about this story, and I, I go all the way back to Abraham, when God is going down to see if Sodom is as bad as everybody says it right. is, mm-hmm.
0: yes.
1: and Abraham has a conversation with God, and he says, "He says, like, well, what if there's 50 righteous people? <laughs> yeah. And he talks them right. all the way, all well, the way down, down, down to 10, right? right. Now, yeah. the, now, the question I've asked, and when we were on the podcast, I said, well, what if Abraham talked all the way down to one?
0: Right.
1: If he kept engaging God on coming down? I was like, but the thing is, the conservative estimates on Sodom and Gomorrah is that there was around 250,000 people in that region. Mm -hmm. And God says if there's 10 righteous people, he can turn the city. Mm -hmm. Mm 10, 10. And so when we think about the, the state of Alaska has like 750,000 people. Mm -hmm. If there is 30 people who are dedicated to the righteousness of God in this, in this state, Mm
0: -hmm. you can
1: turn the state, you can turn the entire state. Mm -hmm. Those of you that are living in California, there's 39 million people. And God says, it's going to take maybe a thousand, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe a thousand in that entire city, What, which a lot of like Christian people will call out of, they'll say, oh, it's a cesspool of immorality. And I was like, but if there's a thousand righteous people there, you turn mm-hmm. the entire state, mm-hmm. 375 million people in, in the United States of America. Mm-hmm.
2: This is coming and it's actually revealing God's character Right. Mm-hmm. that it doesn't take much with me. So yeah. often when we come in our worship, if we're not careful, we can come with scarcity mindset. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. going back to prior conversations that we had about tithing and mm-hmm. and judging people and how they worship is that a lot of times we come with like, ooh, I don't know if I can trust God with this. I don't want to come undone like David did right. when when um, the <laughs> ark was coming back, or I don't want to be like Hannah yeah. when Samuel shows up and goes, "What are you doing, woman? You're drunk and it's midday," and she's like, "I she she's coming undone." Yeah,
1: yeah she's coming. She's she's telling broken. God
2: she's not coming undone just to the air. Yeah, she went to the temple. She went to tell God directly, "I'm undone."
1: Can you imagine if you were at Shavuot, Pentecost, and the and they start speaking in strange and tongues? Every, and they're yeah. like, and he's like, "Guys, we're not drunk. It's uh, nine uh, o'clock in the morning. Yeah. We literally just started Shavuot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, there's yeah. no like, way. That's not what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this
2: is not Purim right this now. Is, this
1: is not Purim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that is not what's happening. Yeah. And uh, so, like, to your point, talking about like the the judgment. Like, people look at the prophets. They're like, oh, they're here to prescribe. Judgment? No, they're actually here to provide hope Mm -hmm. if you turn around. Mm -hmm.
2: Because God always has an exit plan for for us. That's what he tells us. The prophet's
1: not there to condemn you. They're saying, if Mm -hmm. you keep on this path, this is where you're headed. God's not going to stop it. Mm -hmm. It's time to turn around and God will bring you back.
0: Well, and God has gone as far as to say, hey, I'm going to provide proof through some of the most ridiculous battle plans you can think of. Right. Hey, why don't you take the nation and march around this city one time? A day and then on seventh day, do it seven times and then yell
1: right here's the thing Joshua I need you to go and lead the fight yeah but Moses is gonna stand on the mountain uh-huh and as long as his a- arms are in the air you're gonna kick butt great. like no yeah. worries it's yeah. gonna be great yeah right and as soon as his arms get tired or, or Gideon where it's like hey
0: there's an army of about 120,000 people or right. so and then Gideon's army gets whittled down to 300 and God's like all right now we're ready yeah
2: right or Jehoshaphat uh-huh yeah. Hey, we're, I'm going to just lay here and prostrate myself as the king, and I'm going to call all of you guys, and we're going to fast, and yeah. we're going to pray, and then we're going to show up tomorrow morning, and we're going to go and look and see that the entire enemy has been defeated before right. our eyes.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's Oswald Chambers. He has this quote where he says, The only way to be successful in ministry is to be disinterested in ministry and profoundly interested
1: in Jesus.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. I, I think it's sometimes interesting. We're, we're going to talk about prophets in just one second, but... I think it's sometimes interesting when people talk about. They're like, "Oh, well, you need re- you know, make sure that you're doing things for the church." And I was like, "Well, you do realize that the church isn't the building; it's actually the people, right? Like you here with us today, you're part of our church. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're part of the church of our city, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just because we we fellowship in different buildings, we're part of the same family, mm-hmm. right? Even though we nice. disagree at times, like, we're the ecclesia. That's we're the ecclesia, what we are. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to point out this, this section on prophets because I think this is something, especially when we talk in our menu series about uh, prophecy, people are going to come back to this section and misapply it constantly. He's talking about how do you test to see whether a prophet mm-hmm. is from God or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he says, you know, does it come to pass or does it not yeah. come to pass? And if it doesn't come to pass, then you need to put him to death. Okay. Once again. This is, this is conquest language, this is Torah language, and it's not necessarily literally meaning put to death. Why do we know that? Because we look at traditional Judaism and it doesn't happen, okay? Now, does death mean death? Of course it means death, but it also just means they need to be done away with. They need mm-hmm. to be put outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I get a lot of people who really disagree with me, that they're like, ah, no, it's about, you know, and I was like, okay, but you can't completely decimate a population and still have foreigners among you. So we're missing something in the context of this conversation. And uh, a lot of literature of that time will say when they're to say something very serious to say put to death. It doesn't right. always mean literally put to death. If you want to believe it means literally put to death, that's fine. But you got to square how that means, how that fits with love God and love other people. Well,
0: but there's things you put to death in your life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's in your and and we're obviously not dead, right? Right. Like I've put to death
1: some bad habits in my say life. Shame. Correct. We're
2: told to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the only reason I bring that up is because I want to make sure that like there is, there is a very serious strain of militant Christianity and we need to be very careful that we actually look like Jesus and not what we want Jesus to look like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So this whole thing about prophets, we're going to talk about this more in in our mini series, but the point of prophecy is actually to bring hope of correction. Amen. Not Mm. condemnation. Amen. Even the prophets of the old Testament are not responsible for the condemnation. They only bring what God has said. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I have known people in the churches who use prophetic words to speak condemnations into the kingdom of God. Yep. That is not your job. Yep. The Holy Spirit is perfectly able to convict. Your job is to bring hope and purpose into the people around you. Amen. Yeah. And I'm going to leave it at that because we're going to talk about that in the future. If you have further questions, put them in our Mm Q&A. Sarah, we've liked having you. Thanks. So, uh, write into us if you really liked having Sarah here. If you didn't like having Sarah here, we're just going to delete that email. And so just we'll for, pray for you. Though. Just for warning, mm-hmm. like we will pray, bless your heart, and yes, we will we pray will. for you. <laughs> and we really enjoyed having you. So hopefully, we'll have you here again soon in that in that mini series and uh, for some other things. Do you have any? Is there anything that we can be praying for you for, or something we can do to be supporting you for our listeners?
2: I think that just. Being willing to have these conversations and wrestle with them. I love it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we can have these conversations, Ben, because I know that just like what happened today, where you and I can clearly disagree over Mm -hmm. our personal convictions with what God has asked us to do with what he's given. Mm -hmm. That this is, I think that this is when iron is sharpening iron, we actually get to see the heart of God.
1: Right. And
2: I get to see that the uniqueness of you and your bend and your understanding and your convictions are actually coming from the heart of the God that created you to mm-hmm. be that way yep. and created mm-hmm. me to be this way. Yeah. And he's just delighting because he's going, yeah, iron sharpens iron. Yep. Ben, you got you some things to learn from mama Sarah. So suck <laughs> it up when she corrects you. And hey, Sarah, you got you some things to learn from Ben and Spencer. And you know, it's okay to be corrected and have to rethink that, mm-hmm. you know? M- Mostly
1: from Spencer, not much from Ben. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, no, I just encourage listeners, like, don't surround yourself with people that only agree with you because you're going to have a very, very limited yeah. understanding of yourself, of God, mm-hmm. of others. So...
0: Love it. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. So... If you are looking to find more of us, you can find us on the wonderful podcast places such as Apple, Amazon, Spotify, not Google, sorry. You can also find us on Tickety Talk, the Instagram, the Facebook. Ironically, if you do Google us, you will find us, but you're not going to find us on Google Podcasts. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. If you Google us, you will find us. There is a website, loveandcontext.com. You can email us at loveandcontext at gmail.com. There is also a little merch store if you want to buy merch, store, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you want to buy merch, you can do that as well. Just so you know, if you do buy merch, all those proceeds just go to supporting local ministries in our area. Correct. So we don't, we don't keep any of it. And if
1: we have any of our prayer warriors that are listening, pray for Pastor Sarah. It's hard to be a faithful disciple that is female Mm -hmm. and a pastor. Mm -hmm. It's a hard road because you're supposed to love people and oftentimes they're not loving you well. Mm hmm. And so we want to love her well. So if you got a prayer warriors out there, add her to your list. Mm-hmm. She, she, she would definitely love for you to intercede for her.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks,
1: Ben. You're welcome. So until next time,
0: see ya.
2: See you guys. Bye.
0: That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext@gmail.com, and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at loveandcontext.com. On Instagram and Facebook for updates. Are we
1: recording? Yeah, we've been recording for 19 seconds. Oh, sweet. I did the last intro. Just give me a second. I got to scratch my head. <laughs> oh, I burnt myself. What are you laughing about? Nope. Just keep going. You're good. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got some. No, you got to tell me now. Nope. Keep
0: going. It is not pertinent to the conversation.
1: Sorry. I was getting. Oh, I'm amped up now. <laughs> I um, had my coffee and I'm feeling good. Here are good.